Hi, my name's James Fowl, and this is the Huxley Morton Podcast. I hope you're enjoying Series 3 so far, and before we jump back in for another episode, I'd love it if you could like, subscribe, and hit that notification button, as it really helps us to increase our reach. We run the show to both help and inspire those working in clinical research, so if there's anyone else that you think would benefit from tuning in, please spread the word. For now, though, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton Podcast. This week, I am joined by Alethea Wheeland, founder and president of Clinical Research Strategies based over in Pittsburgh. Uh, Alethea, you and I have spoken before, and I have to say, I was, I guess, a little bit shocked when I, when I um, first um, jumped on the on the call for yourself, but in a good way. Uh, but look, for our audience, tell us, look, I've given you a quick intro there, tell us a little bit more about yourself, who you are, and what you guys are doing at Clinical Research Strategies. Absolutely. So thanks so much, James, for having me on your podcast. Um, This is just a wonderful opportunity to talk to you again and to talk to your audience members. So Alethea Wheeland, I'm the president and founder of Clinical Research Strategies. We're founded in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania region, and we address um, a lot of unmet needs for the life sciences sector. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're a boutique contract research organization and an executive management consultancy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And look, I guess, you know, clinical research, clinical trials is at the forefront of everyone's minds at the moment. You know, uh, you you can't walk anywhere without hearing about COVID, um, jabs, vaccines, efficacy rates, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Myself, I actually uh, got the Pfizer jab earlier today. So, so far, you. so far, I am good. No adverse reactions. But if I do drop down, you know, please. <laughs> um, look, you know, how how was it that I guess you got into to the industry? So, I mean, as a business, you've been going for close to 10 years, right? Yeah, so I've been in my own consultancy for over 10 years, Mm. um, but in the industry for over 35. So in my mid 50s um, and my husband and I founded the the company and, Mm. uh, you know, together we have over 70 years of of expertise, uh, predominantly in quality, regulatory and clinical operations. Um, Uh So, yeah, we I I accidentally stumbled into it, you know, in the I put myself through college. Um, it took me nine years to get an undergraduate degree, and I, my father had passed away by the time um, I started college. Mm. And so I, what I really learned was just getting out there and networking. And the, the only job that was offered to me right around the time I was graduating was in clinical trials. Wow. Working for a renowned breast cancer surgeon by the name of Dr. Bernard Fisher. And mm. so that was my entree into clinical research and I've basically been been in it now for over 35 years so so like so many other people you get in and then you just can't get out that's right (laughs) how 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 was it back then you know when you first ventured into it you probably you know uh again it's all on the news now you see it on films oh we're entering this phase of a, a, a trial but how was it when you first stepped into the world of clinical trials what was kind of going through your mind uh because I think now there's more raised awareness with it. So many people are quite interested. But what were you thinking as an individual where perhaps your peers at the time weren't involved in in clinical trials? What was going through your head at the time? Well, it's amazing because my first job was in regulatory, regulatory affairs. And so I saw the interchanges of what uh, research sites and sponsor organizations had to do with with the federal agencies and with multi 
governmental agencies such as Health Canada, US FDA, the EMA, Irish Medicines Board, Australia TGA. So when you first come into that reality is seeing all the regulations that surround the safety and efficacy of, you know, running a running a life sciences business or bringing bringing to market a pharmaceutical or a medical device. And so that was that I loved it because, you know, I was fascinated with sort of the rules, you know, and and I like I like rules and um, but I'm not the the crazy regulatory person that has to be on fixated on you know the black and white of regulations. In mm -hmm. fact, what we've been able to do is really lean into the gray area and really help defend a particular position with strong rationales and um, with with what we know the the regulators are willing to listen to reasonableness. So early days, it was it was the regulatory side of things that you were involved in, um, and then where where did you go from there? Because um, you know, I was having a look at your profile on, on LinkedIn um, earlier on, and I, it seems that you then started to, I guess, climb the ranks, you know, through the clinical operations world, and then, as you say, ten years back, decided to cut ties with um i guess the corporate world as it may be and, and go it alone so look, talk us through through that transition period what was you know what, what yeah that exactly you know as a younger person um for a lot of uh, folks who are going to be your audience you know you got to start somewhere right and if you're lucky enough to have a mentor and someone who can really teach you the ropes, um, eventually you plateau, you know, eventually you're no longer challenged and you just look for the next opportunity. Mm -hmm. It's usually a growth opportunity. I was never afraid to kind of do lateral moves, um, some were stepping stones more vertically. Yeah. But the, the moment you begin understanding the entire life cycle and kind of learning the, the lateral moves, you become so much more valuable to companies because you can do a little bit of everything, right? And that's really where I took kind of the, the root submissions to the FDA or Health Canada. And, um, you know, that was at the time when we were still in paper doing things on typewriters. I know you wow. weren't even born at that time, but, you know, <laughs> and, and so the coming of age with the computers mm. and, and really the acceleration of research and, and the acceleration of, of um, you know, uh, developing um, drugs. That's the bad news is that it still takes forever, you know, 12, 15 years to develop a, a drug too. And, and a lot of them don't even make it in phase three. So most of them fail still. Yeah. So what, what I really was fascinated with was more of being challenged and taking risks and not being afraid to move into a different direction. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of people just like that safety net, that real vertical kind of, I just wanna be a project manager or a clinical research associate all of my life. But I I was fearless in, in terms of just, uh, you know, adding new skill sets and new areas of expertise. So I did a, a, some startup companies. I, I was a manager of clinical research um, at a laboratory developed test, a precision biomarker company working in oncology worked for a class three medical device company, brought a CRO into um, the United States, uh, was there for three years, and then um, you know, basically repurposed and rebranded my own consultancy firm to 
be exactly what we wanted to be to answer the questions and to answer the services, um, to offer the services that our clients were really asking for. Mm. I just want to rewind a, a moment there because one of the things that stood out for me with your description there is that a lot of people, I guess, get comfortable, they sit in a, a comfort zone, but you were fearless and that allowed you to kind of step outside that, do some little moves, go with some smaller organisations where there's perhaps a little bit more risk, but you clearly chose that decision because you were going to learn something or certainly perceived that you would learn something at that time. Where did that fearless mentality come from is what it's, i was kind of what yeah excellent question some of, some so of us have it some some of us right. you know, kind of just fall into a comfort zone so what what, what is it about you that allowed you to, to do that what kind of what makes you what may, was making you tick to actually say i'm, I'm gonna actually i'm gonna take this gamble yeah, my head and my heart. When you when you combine your head and your heart together, mm. and you uh, trust in, you know, and you got to work hard. I mean, this you you just can't take from from people, and you've got to dig in and learn and read and take a great interest and a, a passion. And you know, I'm not a, a robot going through my career. I really want to make a difference. Mm. And probably more importantly, that the whole aspect of really learning from each other and not being afraid to make a mistake in the workplace and, and learn from, um, you know, other talent around you. Um, that, that was what was compelling me forward. So, mm. um, you know, you're right. Some people like a safety zone to be in, um, but man, I can leverage my network. Uh, I've got just great peers and friends who I um, keep in touch with. And when you build a foundation of trust in your relationships, uh, which is what we are all about is the fundamental trust mm. is you get work in spades. You, you, you hardly ever have to work uh, for, for new services and, and selling. So you and I talked about that previously, didn't we? Uh, I think that, you know, when I started my business, there was a, so many of my customers that almost just jumped ship and, and moved over because they wanted to work with, you know, James Fowl rather than, you know, my previous employer. And it, it was a nice feeling, kind of a bit of a pat on the back. I mean, there was some various restrictions that were around at the time that prevented that sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. but that's you know, it's, it's just a good feeling. As you say, if you've done the right thing consistently, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, it just, that success is going to follow you. And it seems that that was perhaps, perhaps one of the things that maybe allowed you to be a bit fearless and, and get on with things. Um, but then but let's talk about the, I guess, was there a particular day that you decided that's it, I'm, I'm, I'm going it alone, clinical research strategies is going to start, you know, did you have a discussion with your, your husband at the time? What was, was there a particular event or was it just a, a culmination of, of oh it's it's a culmination you know when when you get to be the age that we are you've you've been around the block and you know if people uh, use analogies like peeling back the layers of the onion or mm. drawing back the curtain to see the man the puppet behind like the wizard of oz the, yeah. the oz the great oz behind the curtain and who's pulling the strings is actually just a person right mm -hmm. and you know it, it's it's elements everywhere in life is in our political climate and in industry and in the type of work that you do, the type of work that I do is, you know, you just, you can't buy it. 
you know, I, I wanted to buy something that I could believe in. And, um, you know, it, it's really that simple. It's, it's that simple is being a part of something that's good, that you don't have to sacrifice your values for, mm-hmm. that you're, if, you're, if you live with values and principles, actions actually speak lo- lo- you know, larger than words. So, yeah. um, you know, the, the, that's, that's the key element is that I don't have to make any sacrifices for anyone. I don't have a bureaucracy to work in. I don't have internal politi- political uh, environment wow. to favor uh, this person over that person. It's, it's, let somebody else do that. Let somebody else dive their career into um, that. And mm-hmm. so there's, a, there's great autonomy in having your own business, putting your own credit and your own money into it and allowing it to flourish and allowing it to grow mm. because you have the right recipe for success, right? You know. Yeah, and I, yeah, I can second that. And just it is that betting on yourself feeling, isn't it? That's you right. Know, when you bet on yourself and win, it's there, there's nothing quite like it. And I, yeah, I guess I share your opinion on you. Kind of want to get away from some of the BS that exists in certain companies that you feel as an individual, as a, as a, as a top performer, sometimes holds you back. And sometimes the only way to create a business and working in a business that is run your way is to create it yourself. And clearly that's what you, you went ahead and done. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it, it was just a perfect conclusion to a couple of the last jobs that I had held and, and, you know, it was just so obvious to me that, you know, there's, there's a couple principles in our life. It's, it's trust, it's values, it's principle, it's having those principles and never fearing. We, we don't fear people. We don't fear decisions. We don't fear, but, but probably more importantly, teaching my staff and teaching my consultants that they don't have to fear either. Yeah, and that it's an open dialogue and, and very inclusive, and all ideas are welcome, and we we all the you know the creativity bubbles to the top, and and so that's really what I wanted to live in. You know, uh, as I look at the last phase of my career, yeah. I want to turn over those skill sets and those values to the next generation to become leaders in the life sciences space. Mm-hmm. Sounds, sounds good. And I, I, I like the, your values there. Um, so look, how, how, you know, 10 years on, um, I'm guessing, was it just yourself and your, your husband when you, when you started? We out? were, we were solo kind of consultants. Yeah. Um, in 2018, I rebranded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, and, you know, today we're 23 people strong. Um, you know, we, we are taking in startup work, mid-sized life science company work. And in the past year, we've actually penetrated the top 50 life science companies. We're talking the biggest pharmaceutical and medical device um, groups. And we do really right. interesting, fascinating work. So I was just yeah. about to say, and you, like, you've covered that there. You know, I was going to ask, you know, it was yourself and your husband to start with how many people at the snapshot of, I guess, how things are, are going. So there's 23 of, of you guys now. And you're we have full time staff and then uh, about. Yeah, we're, we're doing very well. So from 2018 to be sort of, you know, two or three people. Mm. And then in the course of, oh, I don't know, two or three years, we, um, so we were the solopreneurs, you know, in 2011. Mm. Uh, I left a, a different organization in 2018. And then we just refocused. And wouldn't you believe it, James, COVID didn't really impact us. We did have some projects 
completely stopped dead in their tracks because they yeah. were pharmaceutical companies for which they, they their supply chain completely w was destroyed and so they yeah. laid off staff so mm -hmm. those projects stopped but boy did we have a, a ramp up and i couldn't be more proud of the fact that we could pivot um, just like you have pivoted your organization mm. and really, you know, find new opportunities by providing new services, basically. Yeah. So what is it? Has there been, a, I guess, a refocus on the type of therapeutic areas that you, you focused on, type of clients? Because it sounds as though you're picking up new, new studies, new clients. Well, has it been in different areas? Or? Um, very many different areas. And that's the beautiful thing. So we... we we're basically regulatory scientists by, mm -hmm. by training and by nature. So what that means is that we follow the regulations. We follow when a piece of legislation hits like GDPR, uh -huh. EUMDR, the FDA uh, and, and Congress actually passed the 21st Century Cures Act in the United States in 2017. And so when you, when you pay attention mm. to, to the regulations, you see where the work is heading. Right. And so by by embracing the regulations, we, we are winning GDPR work, we're winning EUMDR work, and we're winning some fascinating um, work with the US FDA for our clients where we are taking novel products that they've never seen before, software as a medical device, Internet of Things, federated medicine, mm -hmm. um, new biologics, for instance, uh, even a cannabis product uh, that, wow. that the FDA has never seen before. Yeah. And we're doing the, the hard lift of the conversation with the agencies so that, you know, it's very strategic and very tactical. And so when, when you have that as a foundation regulatory science mm -hmm. and you put the right fit for purpose team together, there's the, the sky's the limit, you know, and that, that's what we do. We put together a fit for purpose team for what a client needs us to do. Nice work. And look, are you guys, um, I guess that different states have different regulations at the moment. Some are lifting masks, some have not bothered with masks. Um, but how is it going for you guys with, with your staff? Are you working remotely? Is it a hybrid model? How, how are you managing that? And what other challenges have you faced, I guess, personally and, and as a business over the past couple of years? You know, when COVID was hitting, I, I decided to actually get an office because some of our work um, that we were being awarded required an office setting. And so I did what the opposite was, was a lot of people. I actually secured a, a lease uh, for a couple of, of years. How did, this, and did you get a, a better rate then? Because I did. I knew that you, you were like, observe the masses do the opposite. That's exactly right. And so when people want, <laughs> you know, so so it was it was obviously a business decision, but mm. the, the team certainly works most of the time from their home office. We do have needs to be in the office sometimes together. Yeah. COVID really hasn't affected us. We, we're managing just fine. Amazing. Well, that's, I think that's just another example of, again, sometimes going against the grain, being a bit fearless. And as I said, look, observe the masses, do the opposite. Because I'm, I'm, I mean, did you get any backlash from you know friends or colleagues at the time saying why are you getting an office when everyone you know is being forced to work remotely and things? They actually asked me, "Wow, this is a funny time to get an office, Olivia." Yeah. And I, and so once I explained it, I was like. I I made such a sweet deal on the lease, you know, and because 
the, these building uh, owners and management companies, they, they want, they need the money. Yeah. <laughs> so. There you go. Look, I love, I love that. I've not heard of any, anyone else who actually has sort of <laughs> that mentality. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, working and research can be done remotely unless you're allowed. Absolutely. Uh, it, you know, it can be. So, so many people are, have been championing the, the remote work and, you know, we've been used to it uh, as a business for years anyway. So it was no, a major impact to us um if anything it just outlined where we could outperform a lot of our competitors but um yeah to go the other way i i, I didn't know that you had done that but no impressive stuff thank you and look, i guess you know other challenges um aside from the the obvious logistical side of things office from remote work was there anything i guess you know personal that you've you've faced over the past 18 months any challenges on, on that side of things of you know I mean, clearly business has been going well, but sometimes that, that throws up its own weird and wonderful challenges, which sometimes good problems to have, but, you know, often that can impact on, on personal issues. So, I mean, has there been- oh, You're so right. I mean, life goes on, right? It, you know, you don't necessarily see uh, your your family when they're, when they're sick, when they're well. Yeah. And so, yes, I did. I lost my mother to breast cancer. I lost, uh, um, my husband's brother passed away. Um, and then I lost a sister tragically. And despite those um, very, you know, earth shattering, devastating losses, you just try to find a way to, to, you know, remain positive. And I can see COVID has dramatically affected the mental health of so many people. Mm. And I just wouldn't let, I wouldn't let it get me. And while I was able to take necessary time to reflect on the losses of my family members, mm. um, you know, you, you, you still have to find the silver lining in life. You still have to find the, the, the will to, to move on and, and be a positive influence and not be afraid to cry in front of your team, you know, and, and the humanness side of that. And, and people relate, people relate to that level of honesty. So, yeah, just yeah. authenticity and actually just being yourself in any walk of life, whether it's, you know, with mm -hmm. family, whether it is on LinkedIn, whether it is in the, in the business world, people just like that. Because let's face it, we all we all just like to do, you know, business and, and work with people that we like, know, trust. Uh, and that's when right. People are, people, when people are open with you, that's all you all you bloody care about, really, sometimes. You know, I've, I've had it where people have been selling me stuff and sometimes the best products, you know, the individual, I'm just like, oh, I just could not work with that person. Where, yeah. you know, I'm just like, no, look, I want to go with this person just because he seems like he's a good laugh. I'll, I'll take that all day long. <laughs> well, that's just exactly right is, you want to be relatable, but also feel very comfortable taking somebody out to the pub. Mm. The, the, those are the types of relationships that I want to build with my clients, with my colleagues, is that somebody who you can just let your hair down and, and you know, speak freely and not have to be political and worry about if, I, if you're, you're gonna get fired the next day or something yeah. like that is, you know, it's, it's just, and people know, people know who the good people are and the bad people. Definitely. So, yeah. Well, look, it sounds like you've had a tremendous an amazing journey over the past couple of years also i'm so lucky i am so lucky um look what's what's next uh for yourself and yeah. for clinical research strategy what are your thoughts as, as we head on 
through the year and, and into, you know, 2022? What's what's next for you guys? Great question again. So, you know, due to, due to where we are in our careers um, mm. and having worked for a lot of startup companies before um, who kind of sell you on, uh, to, you know, you'll get some stock options. And once we sell or have a strategic acquisition, you'll make it. And like that never happened. And so, mm. you know, David and I got our, our minds together and was like, let's let's grow this thing to mm -hmm. sell it to a strategic and so believe it or not we've we are laying the foundation from a fiscal discipline perspective to pre prepping for due diligence mm -hmm. but we're growing this business and more importantly i'm showing my staff and my colleagues that they're my priority and so when you when you kind of prime the market and you get out there you get your strategics lined up and you begin those dialogues my team is just as important to have that visibility. They're not going to have the rug pulled out from under them, but they get a front row seat because I want I want my people to be the next generation of entrepreneurs to see how it can be done. And I can't wait for them to make me an offer for me to come work for them. Right. Love that. I mean, right. Okay, so so that's that transparency side of things, isn't it? You know, it is. I, I want to grow the next entrepreneurs because we, we don't have enough really great leaders in life sciences. We, mm -hmm. we have a lot of political political bent. We have people who capitulate um, to, you know, bad business. And and so I want to teach them that that it's great to be good, that it's great to um, be uh, effective. Yeah. And how you, how you go about doing that is not to be the narcissist or the psychopath or the sociopath. Mm. It's to be the fair and balanced um, leader. So I'm teaching them all leadership leadership skills now too. Love that. And look, as I say, look, I love the fact that you're you're open about it as well. You know, uh -huh. my business partner Lucy and I, we're very clear with our mission statement as a business. We share that with people that come on, so that any anyone that joins us you know, knows where the company is going, what our values are. Um, and it, again, it comes back to, you know, that way you're working with a team that all kind of share those, you know, same, same values and, and, and mission. Everyone's, you know, working towards the same goal. Um, and if you end up getting people that, you know, excel at it and, you know, are going to be kind of entrepreneurs and, and they go on to do their own thing. Fantastic. I'm, I'm all for, for that. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, there's enough business out there for everyone to succeed. There is. Need to be greedy yeah. and, yeah, you know, these kind of, you know, dictatorial uh, boss type. Authoritarian people who are just telling you what to do. And it's not it's like. <laughs> so look, um, sound, sounds incredible, um, Alethea. I'm certainly looking forward to how the journey goes. I'll be, be um, I guess, tuning in and watching how that develops. But look, we've kind of reached a new, um, feature in, in the podcast uh, series for us, which is a quick fire round. Um, so I've got a few questions for you. Love to get your, I guess, short uh, and concise answers um, to share with, with our audience. So look, I'll kick us off. Um, the first one is what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Or the number one piece of advice that you give to your, your, your younger self? This might sound strange, but I would actually have preferred to study multiple languages and just, um, I am only speaking and writing in English. And I feel that a true deficit of mine is not to have a second or a third language. 
-hmm. And I would recommend everybody in the life sciences sector to know at least a second or third language if if possible. Europeans are great, they're masters at languages, Mm -hmm. but I feel like a lot of Americans um, disable themselves by doing that. That would be my, that would be my- I I guess, yeah, the Europeans are great at that. Us British, however, like like you you guys in the state, pretty terrible. It's sometimes embarrassing. Um, but let's let's move on. Um, question number two: What are the top three qualities that you value most when building your own teams at, at clinical research strategies? Yeah, uh, it's character. I'll take character over skill set any day and attitude. And then the third, I would actually say is coping because Mm -hmm. the industry is so volatile you can't get upset with things you have to you know stop yourself from overreacting or reacting from the crappy things that go wrong because they happen all day long Uh and so that over the top reactivity is is not something that i want so again it's the character the attitude and then a person's ability to cope Fantastic. Again, I think all all three of those are fantastic qualities to to look for in in a team because I guess the the strength of your people is the strength of your business. Um, So you need all of those things, I think. Um, Look, moving on to to the third question, and that is, what is the number one book or resource uh, that you would recommend for our audience, particularly in the the clinical research field, I guess? Yeah, and and I kind of... I kind of want to, so, so I'm always challenged to kind of come up with one book because I'm an avid reader. I love to read. Mm. And I kind of, you know, if you're to learn anything in clinical research, I want to kind of go more philosophical than anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's it's in any industry. And I'm not a popularist when it comes to getting the latest that everybody else is reading. However, Adam Grant recently released a book, Think Again. Mm-hmm. And I feel that in the political climate that we're in and the faultiness of, of like narcissistic leaders and people who are afraid to hear the emperor's not wearing any clothes kind of thing is allowing that level of humility to understand making better decisions. So think again, quick read by Adam Grant. He's famous for writing these types of books applicable from a philosophical perspective across any industry, but one that I make sure that there is in, in my business, um, open dialogue, no one can be, a, there's no fear, mm. there's no retaliation, that type of thing. Like it, I like it. Well, look guys, you heard it here first from Aletheia, go check that book out. Um, and look, aside from, from you, you mentioned you're an avid reader there, but, but my next question is, what is your favorite thing outside of work? Doing it, gardening, exercising, riding a bike, going to the park, um, being outdoors. Um, I would say that. Keeping active then, yeah? That's right. Yep. Great stuff. And look, finally, uh, before we uh, wrap up and close off this episode, what is your number one golden rule in life and in business? Trust straightforwardness no obfuscation love it it's really important effective and and kind of yeah just backs up and mirrors everything that you said from from start to finish here that's right um so no look it's been an absolute pleasure having you on on the show uh as i say i'm excited to see 
where things go for, for you guys at Clinical Research Strategies over the next year um, and how you continue to grow the more studies you, you take on. Uh, but look, for any of our audience, uh, whether they're you know researchers, um, potential customers for yourself, investors, whoever it might be, what is the, the best way to, to reach out to you? They can certainly connect with me in LinkedIn. So it's just my name, Alethea Wieland. Uh, my website is clinicalresearchstrategies.com and there's a contact form and anyone can have a free consultation with me at any time that you can schedule it on my website. I'd be delighted to uh, entertain any types of questions. Fantastic stuff. Well, Alethea, thanks very much for jumping on uh, the Huxley Morton podcast with us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you and look, do keep in touch. I look forward to keeping in touch with you, James. Take right. good care. Thank you. Yeah.